Welcome to the ERLC podcast. This week we'll hear from Jackie Hill Perry. Is homosexual really wrong? Can I really not act out on my sexual inclinations? And I felt a leading from God that said, Jackie, you have to believe that my word is true, even if it contradicts how you feel. And that's the way the authority of God's word is supposed to work in our lives. We cannot allow our temptations or our inclinations or the remnants of our depravity to govern how we feel. We have to remind ourselves that God made me different. God made me new and I am what he says that I am. Many people, including Christians, struggle with same-sex attraction and are hard-pressed to find hope in the midst of it. Jackie Hill Perry's testimony and wisdom regarding this struggle is one of remarkable grace. She spoke at the ERLC's national conference with a message titled, How Does the Gospel Equip Christians Who Struggle with Same-Sex Attraction? We hope you find this message helpful. saints. I said, greetings, saints. I grew up in the black church, so we get excited, all right? (laughs) My name is Jackie. Um, I live in Chicago with my husband of one year and my daughter of seven months. I grew up in St. Louis, and for a good season of my life, I dealt with sin, but same-sex desires. I remember maybe as early as kindergarten having this kind of inordinate affection towards the girls in my class. Around high school is when I engaged in a lesbian relationship with a friend of mine, um, and I was in the lifestyle for maybe two years or actively pursuing it. Um, But in that place, God met me when I was 19, which was 2008. And when I met Jesus, it wasn't me turning my life over to Jesus to be better or to be heterosexual. It was simply me meeting Jesus and giving him all of me. In giving him all of me, he changed all of me. I get questions about my testimony a lot, whether how I changed and how I haven't gone back. And really the only real tangible response I have is the gospel. Um, And the gospel is such a cliche Christian term that we throw out that I think we lose its value and its depth sometimes, which is that we, born in sin, shaped in iniquity, chose to disobey God, and because of that, we became his enemies, made in his image. But God in his love towards us sent his son to live the life that we cannot live and die the death that we deserved. He resurrects from the grave, and now he commands all of humanity to repent and believe in his name. And those who do that are made one in union with Christ, which leads me to my first point about how the gospel equips those who struggle with same-sex desire. One, faith in the gospel makes us new creatures. One thing about Jesus is when you meet him, you change. It's just going to happen. You you cannot stay the same once you met God. J.I. Packer describes it this way. Regeneration is the spiritual change wrought in the heart of man by the Holy Spirit in which his or her inherently sinful nature is changed so that he or she can respond to God in faith and live in accordance with his will. It extends to the whole nature of man, altering his governing disposition, illuminating his mind, freeing his will, and renewing his nature. When I was growing up, I never heard this definition. 
I thought that Christians were people that wore dresses and didn't listen to secular music. That's all I know. And so I figured that all Christians just had some really great self-control. And so when it came to me knowing, okay, I think I'm in sin and I know I'm supposed to change, I had no concept that conversion was supernatural. And so I had to see that when God saves a person, he actually changes a person where they're not just not doing bad things, but they actually are empowered to do opposite of that. For the Christian that deals with same-sex attraction, we cannot negate the fact that once we put our faith in Christ, we are reconciled to God. We are no longer his enemy, but his friend. Faith in the gospel places us in Christ, therefore we are different. And if we are in Christ, then my identity has changed. And this is crucial when I bring myself to my next point, which is number two, the gospel saves us from penalty and power and makes God's promises available. What do I mean by that? Um, also growing up, I heard deliverance a lot. And deliverance was preached to me as if God delivers you, you won't struggle with certain inclinations anymore. And that's not necessarily true at all, especially when we consider the human experience. What the gospel does when he changes somebody, God not only delivers us from the penalty of our sins, which is death, but he also gives us the power to flee them. I think this is a big deal because what happens is those of us who may be tempted in certain ways, when we feel these emotions and these temptations rise up in us, our natural inclination is to say, I am how I feel. When that's not true, because remember, if you're in Christ, your temptations cannot change your identity. What you are is not how you feel. What you are is what Christ did for you on the cross. When we see our identity through the lens of our temptations, it subsequently has the potential to discourage us, weaken our faith in God, increase our focus on self, and keep us from fighting sin. There was a season in my life where I was dealing strongly with uh, homosexual desires, and I remember the temptations were causing me to question God's word. It's kind of similar to Eve when, you know, God told her through Adam, don't eat this tree, Eve, because if you do, you're going to die. She talks to Satan. In her talking to Satan, she starts to question what the God, all wise, all authoritative God had previously said to her. And I'm feeling the same temptation. Am, am I really saved? Is homosexual really wrong? Can I really not act out on my sexual inclinations? And I felt a leading from God that said, Jackie, you have to believe that my word is true, even if it contradicts how you feel. And that's the way the authority of God's word is supposed to work in our lives. We cannot allow our temptations or our inclinations or the remnants of our depravity to govern how we feel. We have to remind ourselves that God made me different. God made me new and I am what he says that I am. If we are in Christ, the promises of God also apply to us. Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Or Hebrews 4.14-16, through 16. since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with 
confidence draw near to the throne of grace then we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need lastly first Corinthians 10 13 these scriptures are powerful that's why I'm reading them no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it I hope you hear the promises of God given to us there are promises of grace of mercy of help a way of escape and endurance and we have to anchor our faith in these texts this only becomes available to us through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ all of which the gospel has made available to all who believe lastly the gospel provides community and everybody said so much about community where well, I don't even want to say this point but I'm just gonna add on to it all right like croutons um, <laughs> when God saved us he not only just isolated us and like yeah you just you saved he saved us and brought us into a family in a community of people more specifically the local church therefore I am not alone when dealing with same-sex temptations I need people to pray for me to correct me to teach me to guide me and point me to truth oftentimes I think the pushback is people don't want to become a part of a local church or a community because they fear not being understood which is valid I think that is scary to go into a circle where you don't know how people may respond to you when you're honest but I don't think that that should be a good enough excuse to deter us from the growth available in a local church most of us may not be able to empathize or understand the struggle with a specific sin such as homosexuality but I believe that all people can empathize with sin as a whole I think that's even more crucial to why the church should actually exemplify a community the thing about the gay community is it actually is a community you actually feel safe you feel listened to you feel heard you feel understood so I think it's a problem when those who are unbelievers feel way more safe in a room full of unregenerates than they do people who God knows that's why it's more crucial for us to read Corinthians and read the scriptures and how do we actually love our neighbors practically and I think we have to get beyond conferences and we have to get behind methods and programs and ideas and actually just obey what God said in his word from there people will be heard for me personally I was discipled um, by a woman who was the women's leader at um, my church I went to a church in LA for about two and a half years and the thing that was so crucial to my growth was that she discipled me holistically she didn't just say you know what Jackie we're gonna just work on this lesbian thing we're just gonna work on this lust thing she just took me under her wing I lived with her and she said no we're gonna study how to read the Word of God we're gonna study how to pray we're gonna work on your gluttony we're gonna work on your greed we're gonna teach you how to steward your money where I saw that all of me holistically was in need of the gospel to change me and I think as a community we need to do the same thing and our fight against sin we cannot afford to isolate ourselves from God's church in Ephesians 4 11 through 13 
Paul, he says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. If God has said and created people with roles that will equip us and mature us, then those of us who are struggling, we can't decide, oh, I'm going to grow apart from the way that God taught me to grow. We have to go to a local body because there's where these roles are expressed. We need people to help us. And I know it's scary, but fear is a great place to trust God. Amen? So how does the gospel equip those with same-sex attractions? Faith in the gospel changes us, therefore we have hope. Christ not only saves us from the penalty of sin, but he has made provision for our victory over temptation of sin. Christ did not leave me or you to fight this battle alone, but there is a community of other new creatures that God will use to grow me. With that said, I just want to end with, I have had friends that went to church with me, people in my life who walked away from homosexuality with me, but most of them have went back. And I get it because I think walking away from the lesbian lifestyle is honestly one of the hardest things somebody can do because it really is who you are. It affects how you see yourself. It affects how you see sexuality. It affects who you're friends with. It affects where you go. And so I think to leave all of that is difficult. But I guess my encouragement for those that are considering leaving Jesus, I would like to remind you of the story of the rich young ruler who went up to God and said, God, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus looks at him and says, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And it says that he walked away sorrowful because he had a lot of stuff, right? I think most of us may not be rich, But I think the things that we have, we think that they're better than God. And so because we think that they're better than God, it's easier for us to walk away from him still holding on to those things. And the truth is, if you are struggling and if you are tempted, it's not merely that you're struggling with your sexuality, it's that you're struggling with seeing that God is better than you think that he is. And so my encouragement is, you have to do what you have to do to just see Jesus. Just see Jesus. Get on your floor, pray, and say, God, please help my unbelief because I don't see you as beautiful or as gorgeous as I know you to be. And when you get to that place where you see that God is all that he says he is and that he will do all that he says he will do, you will have victory. It may be difficult and it may be hard because the cross is heavy, but the joy set before you will give you grace to endure. So I would like to end Jude 24, one of my favorite passages. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Remember, now to him, him, who is able to keep you from falling. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the ERLC podcast. 
To subscribe to the podcast and find more information regarding how Christians should think about same-sex attraction, visit ERLC.com.